Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Burnt Cookbook Party, the second episode of this original Pathfinder campaign set in a unique fantasy world, where four heroes of varying skills, attractiveness, and stupidity race against time to prevent a war. I am Jenna Steber. I play Astra Blep, a fey addled half-elf oracle who is exactly who she says she is, and I am joined by... Andrew Hansen, playing Johnny Brightchild. I'm a hot and sunny Ifrit resort spa paladin, eager to help and flex. Caitlin Statehar playing Patty Hertz, a rat folk ranger dandy with a nose for gossip and cheese. Paul Lukemeyer playing Zelf the Elf, a battle chef carving a name for himself in the high stakes world of magical cooking. And we are, of course, led today and for the rest of all time by our illustrious DM and world builder, Justin Green. Hello. Justin, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling fantastic. Those of us in this room represent Irisel's last hope against repeating our past mistakes. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Valcanth Venturi. Until recently, I was the Archmage of Berwyn. But do not be confused, Shadowwind is not a tool of Berwyn, despite my previous job despite the fact that we currently sit within its borders. Shadowwind belongs to Irisol. Fittingly, this crowd has been selected from all across the globe. I hope you take the rest of this evening to get to know the people that you sit with and discover the reasons you were chosen to be here together, linked by a shared talent that will make your specialized team invaluable. And while we do that, let's enjoy some of this delicious cake. Ergon, why don't you do the honors of cutting the first slice? <laughs> <laughs> Cassian just looks very disappointed with himself. As kind of everybody mills about, Archmage Venturi sits down and a new speaker steps up that Johnny, you had recognized as General Windstar of the Berwyn Army. I'll like mention that to the person next to me. That's Johnny I don't Windstar, know who that is. Oh, okay. Army. Thanks. Big deal. <laughs> Windstar goes over just some general upkeep as you guys eat and, and chat. She Let's you all know that there are barracks here that each of you will be getting a, a four-room suite for your squad. And she lets you know that you'll be getting a weekly stipend, meals provided for you. She also lets you know that starting in the morning, there is going to be some intense training with the commanders. Did you guys want to do or say anything else as the party is kind of winding down? Oh, for sure. Zelf has a big piece of cake on a plate, and he's going to wander aloud to the table. <laughs> He's going to say, wonder when we find out who our squad is. And he kind of looks around. <laughs> Esther goes, I think it's us, Ruby. <laughs> and he, he looks over at her and then over at the rat. <laughs> and then up at Johnny and then down at Manny. <laughs> oh, right, Manny. Ooh, are we going to be five roommates? I mean, I guess that's fine. Doesn't seem ideal. It's going to be fine, guys. If everyone just shares, there's enough to go around for everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a great attitude. <laughs> One of the women that was sitting on the stage makes her way over to your table. She has light blue skin and dark purple hair. She carries herself with a lot of presence, just cool, calm, and in control. She approaches your table and introduces herself as Adrian Mismorn, one of the commanders at Shadowend. I want to apologize to all of you that Bavel Flaskforge couldn't make it here tonight. He is the commander that picked the four of you out. I'm sure he's very sad that he couldn't be here, but he should be back at some point this week. Where's he off to? Well, um... He's he's a very busy man, you know, uh, a very important mm -hmm. astronomer. Um, I, I assume that's why he picked all of you. You're all astronomers as well. Um, yeah, not exactly. What? Yeah, no, this, yeah. Self is going to lean forward. He's going to say, I think we all have star power. <laughs> if Miss Morn thinks that joke is funny, it doesn't read on her face. <laughs> 
Is the sun a star? I'm a paladin of Gavlin. That's a, the sun. Yeah, and my name's Astra. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. star-like, right? That's like a star. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I tell the future. Sometimes that involves planets. And, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm basically an astronomer. Yeah. Miss Boyd nods slightly. She, she's a bit confused, and you can see she's kind of looking you all over a second time, trying to Uh-oh. put the pieces together, find yeah. what connects the dots, but... Ultimately, she just pleasantly bids goodbye to you. Wow, what a dame. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a weird, though, right? Like, I tell fortunes and stuff, so I'm definitely astro- astro- astrology, astron- I'm It's the stars. I'm all up in it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe she got me confused because, I, I mean, I am a not-so-minor celebrity. <laughs> a star. I'm a star in my own right. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. I guess it depends on how how liberal an understanding you have of a star. How are you a star, Zelf? Let's call me a rising star, my friend. Leave it at that. <laughs> oh. There we go. Like bread? <laughs> like a souffle. Oh, fancy. Justin, have any of us seen or met uh the guy who picked us or was this just like we assume he heard about a reputation your paths have never crossed mm-hmm. okay that's important he's lost in the woods the party wraps up and you guys make your way back to the barracks it's this four-story building your dorm is on the very very top floor across from Glorahan squad just in casual conversation you learn that that group is the one that was handpicked by commander mistmorn who you had just met Ugh, lucky well, Esther has a giant printing press <laughs> and and like a crate box of printing materials. So is it like broken up into little rooms or? Yeah. So each of you have a, a bedroom and it's connected to a shared living space. Oh, it's like a hostel. Okay. Well, the printing press is big and she just tucked it into one of the corners of the shared living space when she had it delivered. <laughs> It's just too big for my room. You guys understand. It's, you know, it's shared space. If you want to use it sometime, I can I can show you how, but it's really got to stay out here. And so her room, for the most part, has a lot, of, a lot of books and stuff, a lot of like learning materials and witchcraftery. Fainalyn, the area she comes from, is very Halloween-y. So I think she's got low-key kind of a goth style. I think she's got like some dark red curtains, maybe some, some dark purple bed sheets. So a little moody. Wait, can I can I call for other people to make a perception roll? <laughs> Justin, is that okay? Yeah, what, what is this want? a coup that's happening right now? I want <laughs> I want everybody to make a perception roll. Thank you. Okay, Patty has rolled an eighteen. Nice. I got a three. I got a twenty-seven. Ooh, okay, Paul, did you give your character good perception? I did. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Well, I think Patty and Zelf, for a moment, when Astra opens her door, see like a shadow moving that looks an awful lot like a cat. But Astra does not acknowledge it or say anything about a pet at all. Zelf is going to look at Patty to see how she reacts because he assumes <laughs> he assumes that if it's a cat, Patty might have a problem with it, and if it's not, it probably wasn't a cat. Zelf correctly assumes that Patty is very uncomfortable with the idea of a cat being in their midst. She's gonna look around and try to confirm what she thought she saw. If you don't ask anything, Astra's not gonna acknowledge that anything has happened. She will just close her door. Patty's uncomfortable, but she doesn't want to rock the boat with her new friends and teammates, so she's gonna let it go for now, but definitely keep her eyes open. (laughs) One eye open as you sleep. Always. I picture my room to be set up kind of like, since I'm from Begram, I imagine that Begram is kind of like Sedona, Arizona, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's like a, it's now like Boomer Resort Spa Crystal <laughs> Oasis, and so like, I've got like salt rocks, like a massage table, <laughs> some plants, and, you know, some sort of mood lighting, and my big sword hangs over my bed. Ooh, that seems dangerous. Yeah. In fact, I think there's a whole parable about, what? about why our friend Damocles doesn't do that anymore. Oh, my God. He wakes up every morning and smiles and says, I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> so, Patty, as a woman of the people, Patty's setup is extremely simple. Only the essentials. 
a couple of designer tote bags, a couple of designer crossbody bags, a couple of designer clutches, you know, a couple of duvets, a couple down pillows, and of course her extensive skincare slash bath and body collection. (laughs) She never goes anywhere without. You gotta keep that white fur white, and it takes work. So uh, the first thing Self does is take over the kitchen and put all of his knives away, his kitchen implements, <laughs> his pots and pans, the spices he'll need, things like that. But it's not enough for him, so there's spillover into his room where he basically creates his meal laboratory. <laughs> and then there's a bookshelf with all of his cookbooks, manuals, references, things like that. It's fairly studious with posters of the celebrity chefs that he hates and wants to become more famous than up on the wall. <laughs> There's a cot in the corner for Manny. Self assumes that Manny is just going to focus 24-7 on his cooking. So the things that they have, he sees them as shared. Zelf, as you watch Manny attempt to get comfortable in a small alcove underneath the printing press, you think back to almost a year ago, last winter, following the chairman's imprisonment and your own public breakdown at the Bake Off, you have just arrived at the famous New Haven Grand Hotel for some time spent out of the public eye to decompress. The island New Haven is built on is about 20 miles from end to end, and the gnomes ran out of space pretty quickly, and it's forced them to start building vertically. The Grand is a ritzy stone building, it's three stories tall, but it's also on the third level of New Haven, so a building stacked on a building on top of a building. <laughs> so it means a lot of stairs to get there, but it's also absolutely gorgeous views out over the ocean once you're finally up at your room. Paul, what does relaxation look like for Zelf? Oh, man. In spite of Zelf's youth and the fact that he hasn't established himself yet, he is kind of burned out from the media exposure of the trial. So probably just like staring into the middle distance, probably he's got several kinds of alcohol, something smooth, something hard, and then, you know, something light as a chaser just to keep (laughs) the buzz going. Uh, I guess he's probably at like a hotel bar. So after a few days of just, I guess, going down a line, drinking different alcohol in order, (laughs) your leisure time is sort of interrupted by the arrival of a familiar face, not necessarily a friendly one. It's Nipip, who is a gnome paladin. He's from New Haven, but he's feared in Mjolnir. He's devoted his entire career as a paladin to monitoring misuse of food magic. So it's kind of made him into a divine health inspector of sorts. Yes. Uh, Oh my god, yes. He pretty much single-handedly shut down Chairman Naga's entire empire. In fact, the last time that you did see him, he was testifying at the chairman's trial. You guys kind of lock eyes. How does he dress? Oh, man. He dresses in all white, kind of looks like a suit, but then it transforms into like the robes of a paladin as it goes further down. He has white hair that's kind of slicked back. He always has like a dull expression. He doesn't have a lot of feelings that that show up on his face. (laughs) You know, this is an interruption to Zelf's departure from the life he knew. He hasn't quite composed himself totally. He'll put on a big smile and say... Inspector Nip, I never thought I'd see you again at all. Pleasant evening. Yes, indeed. I I don't want to sound elitist, but once you've dined in Mjolnir, it's hard to go back to regular food. I'm sure for someone born and raised there, it's even worse. Self expected an adversarial encounter, but suddenly he just has this incredible simpatico, and he stands up and he says, <laughs> I know! Can you imagine? Gnomish food culture is centuries, centuries behind. No offense. None taken, it's just a fact. Well, do you want a drink? He nods his head and he sits down at the bar next to you. He says to you, I'm surprised to run into you outside of Mjolnir's elf. Have you decided to leave the city for good? Self just kind of holds up his hands and an expression of defeat. Well, I basically had nothing without the chairman, so it didn't really matter where I went. I don't know if I'll return to Mjolnir... How about you? Are you here to shut down some other renegade magic chef? He actually almost smiles for a second. It's funny that you say that, Zelf. You can see I'm losing myself in the humor. (laughs) (laughs) Zelf nods. He has a drink. It does turn out that the New Haven Grant has actually been touting themselves as having their own Mjolnir chef now. Although I must say, it would be a tragedy for Mjolnir if you didn't return. 
Idon knows that they need a positive influence. Delph kind of mulls this over, nurses a fantasy martini. <laughs> Depending on who you asked, they would tell you that all of Chairman Naga's apprentices should be barred from Mjolnir, should never have a knife again. You can see that Nipip is kind of weighing this out. He has met the other apprentices of Chairman <laughs> Naga, so he does know that there is some truth in what you're saying. He stands, he throws some gold on the table to pay for both his drink and your own. The chairman took you on as an apprentice, but he doesn't define how you continue your career as a chef. You have the opportunity to change the way that Mjolnir chefs are taught. You can teach somebody to enjoy food and use this elven magic that's been around for centuries to do better for the city and for the world. And Zelf has no response to that. After a beat, he says... Well, Inspector Nippip, for what it's worth, I apologize for what the chairman said on the stand about you and your family and gnomes and <laughs> health inspectors. He nods his thanks and he makes his exit. All right. Well, this is the first like positive feedback that Zelf has gotten in a long time. So even though it doesn't quite break his mood, it does give him some food for thought. And he thinks, yeah, I mean, maybe I should check out this New Haven Grand Hotel restaurant and break my liquid diet. That scene comes like 20,000 words into a, an enemies to friends to lovers fan <laughs> Drinks start flowing. The lights dim. Pivotal moment in these two relationships. I can't wait to be enemies again with him later. Zelf, these memories of your time in New Haven continue to play back in your mind over the next three days at Shadowwind. The fate of the Gnome City is kind of hanging heavy over everyone. All of the cadets, the four of you included, take part in rigorous training in small groups, not necessarily with your own squad. I'm going to kind of generalize in a training montage type of sequence. I love a montage. Uh, while I do that, I'm going to ask you guys to make skill rolls that represent your time with the commanders that you had elected to train under. Perfect. Paul, I'll have you roll first. Would it be possible to get my inspiration bonus on this, even though it's a montage? Yes. I got an 18 on knowledge and nature. Great. I got a 13 on Spellcraft. Zelf, one of the commanders you chose to work with was Gorwin Clove, this tiny little gnome who's always wearing a little three-piece suit. Yes. He's very flighty, and he loses track of what he's doing really easily. His expertise is nature and how to best use the environment to your advantage, so there are a lot of druidic cadets here with you. You find you're excelling because the herbology training he's having you do isn't too different from cooking. Yeah, yeah. Nothing is. Your ability to discern the best ingredients is also coming in handy in identifying rare plants, so Clove is very <laughs> impressed. Your other training is spellcraft with Adrian Mismorn, the very uh, hot woman <laughs> that you had yeah. met previously. <laughs> I knew she was hot. I, I sensed it. <laughs> you just needed Justin's confirmation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did say that for Jenna. <laughs> I only got a 13. Zelf is not used to having like a really good teacher who's focused on her student's success. So that's why he didn't do as well as he could have. <laughs> there is something about Professor Mismorn that you do like. She's strict, but she's not punishing, which is the half that you're not <laughs> as familiar with. <laughs> yeah. But you do think that you're going to get a lot out of working closely with her. Sweet. Andrew, why don't you rule for crafting? Uh, it is all intelligence, so it's just going to be a minus one. <laughs> I got a f four. Oh, no. Commander Ergun is this big, hulking orc that wears tiny little glasses. He's very bookish, despite his build. <laughs> uh, he mentors cadets in all forms of crafting. Ergun himself is a man of all trades. And, Johnny, you're very quickly in over your head here. <laughs> Everyone around you is... Brewing potions, doing alchemy. <laughs> There's a pair of dwarves doing some of the most advanced blacksmithing techniques you've ever come across. Uh, Johnny, what is your take on this training? Uh, I thought we were going to be talking about sweet magic weapons. Uh, <laughs> and like, is definitely doing like a lot of note copy. <laughs> then will like eventually like raise his hand and be like, uh, excuse me. I, uh, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here, sir. Johnny, your other commander is a bulky, bro-y, half-elf dude named Taff Warsaw. Over the course of the three days training and combat techniques with him, you find that Taft is perpetually cheerful and energetic. God, are they hembros? You got it. <laughs> uh, 
do you want to go ahead and roll for this? Nice. I got a 27. Johnny, you are absolutely killing it here. No one else can keep up with you in any of the practice fights. You're just throwing other cadets to the ground left and right. The girl who you caught staring at you, Johnny. Mm, the, the pink hair. On day two, she works up the nerve to approach you, but she keeps her head bowed deferentially when she does. Johnny Brightchild, my name is Nerissa. Hi, Nerissa. I'm from a small town in Resgris, and I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate everything that you've done for our country during the war and after. <laughs> cool. Don't worry about it. Obviously, you're here to do good, too. So, like, you know, that's pretty awesome. What do you like to do? <laughs> she kind of thinks about it a second. She goes, well, I really like punching things. Uh, yeah. That's my number one thing. She shows you she's cool. got, like, these cool gauntlets. She tells you uh, they're, they're magic. So sometimes when I punch people, it, it electrocutes them, too. <sighs> Dope. Do you have, like, a cool battle name? Like, Stormfist or... Thunderclaw. I would love to have a name like that, but I feel like you have to earn it. So I'm just Nerissa Indove. Not very threatening sounding, I know. Aww. No, I like it. I hope that we'll get a chance to spar sometime. Yeah, well, let's do it right now. Aww. Let's go. I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> you have a practice battle with her. Cool. Johnny, you can recognize immediately that Nerissa is an immensely talented martial artist. And even though you eventually edge out of victory, she makes you work for it. And she's easily the most skilled cadet that you came up against over the past couple days. You're pretty good. Thank you for not going easy on me, Johnny. Next time I'm going to be even better. Just wait. The only way we can all get better is if we all give it our all. (laughs) (laughs) You tell him, Johnny. After a few more wins, Taft Warsaw comes up and proudly slaps you on the back, Johnny. He calls all the other cadets around so that he can make an announcement. I know everyone's been feeling restless, stuck here in the fort, and you want to get out on the ground in New Haven and start helping people. Believe me, I do too, man. But until Archmage Ventori gives us the all clear, I've come up with an idea. Are you guys all familiar with the Arrow Peak competition? It's an annual dungeon crawl slash race they put on up north. Mm. Fine. Yeah. I bet you're pretty good at that, right, Warsel? I bet you've got, like, a good time. Bro, let me tell you. I'm from Arrow Peak, <laughs> and the whole reason that the Arrow Peak competition exists yeah. is because of me, man. Whoa, I knew it. I'm not trying to brag. No, But, totes. like, I went into this dungeon, defeated all of the monsters there. What kind of monsters? Oh, man. These giant snails Dude. bigger than either of Dude. us put us together. This snail is bigger. A lot of people definitely <laughs> underestimate mate snails because they think they're slow yeah you're telling me man but i took this dungeon and i've turned it into basically just a giant training ground we put more monsters into it sometimes and then people go in there and uh, they they practice yeah well listen i'm tight with the arrow peak adventures guild and they agreed to let all of your squads compete this year it's going to be great You'll be training, but you'll also be team building. Just the four of you in the middle of a dungeon with no map, only your muscles and your friends to help you out. That's all you need. Plus, there's a prize for whoever makes it up fastest, but I'm not going to tell you guys what it is yet. It's a secret. Oh, come on. You want to tell me what the prize is, bro? Come on. No, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to do good, man. You're gonna have to beat my squad. Good luck. I picked these dudes out, man. They're tough. God, I wonder what it is. Oh, man, I can't wait to take my squad on it. We're going to do so great. Like, you guys, <laughs> did you hear that? Are we your squad? Or is that is that what we're calling ourselves? Well, I just assumed, you know, because we live together. Johnny's Johnny's squad. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it could be Astra's squad. No, 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 no. It definitely shouldn't. <laughs> what do you guys think of the collective as a name? No. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little bit dry, Patty. I'm not joining any group named The Collective. What about The People's Squad? (laughs) (laughs) So the Juicy Collective, right? What makes this juicy? Answer that first. Astra said that The Collective was dry, so I thought... I did say that, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Juicy Collective implies other things that maybe I just don't know if we're there for. Oh, gosh. I didn't, yeah, I didn't mean to put us on the spot to come up with a name for what we're all called. I'm just just giving some suggestions, guys. I mean, yeah, I guess Johnny Squad is fine until we figure something else out. (laughs) I'm not joining any group called Johnny Squad. I'm putting my little elf booty down on that one. So we'll workshop the name. Perhaps the the New Haven Liberation Army? (laughs) 
We could call ourselves the Libation Army. I do like libations as well. <laughs> we can start going out on raids before we come up with a name. That definitely won't put any pressure on us <laughs> after one or two or three sessions to come up with a name retroactively for what we're doing here. <laughs> the self is going to tap Manny for this one and say, Manny, here's some good practice for that thing I keep telling you you need to do. What do you think we should name ourselves? Oh, everyone, I keep telling Manny he needs a new name. No one's going to become a famous celebrity chef named Manuel. And he hasn't yet, but we'll get him there. Zelf, are you a famous celebrity chef? I am a journeyman. I have yet to establish my name. Thank you. The name being Zelf. Is that is that your real name, or did you change it to become famous? Yeah, is that your chef name? Zelf is my chef name. Thank you. <laughs> wow, there's one member of the team that has a fake name. How fun. <laughs> Zelf is Zelf's real name, but he's not ready to admit him. Astra's statement stands. Maybe like a pun <laughs> on food, like we could be like the main course. Johnny, you can't let Zelf bully you into making it food themed. <laughs> he's bullying me? <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to go to a dungeon, huh? That's pretty cool. <laughs> so, okay, did did we shift from training to, like, we're sitting around the hostel? I mean... Because I didn't think we had the same training. You don't, you didn't, but I mean... Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, it's just a montage, so... It, it did feel like an organic scene change. Yeah, so, I, I mean, all of this stuff is happening over the course of three days. He went home and he, you guys had this conversation. Johnny was so excited to tell you guys something. He created a montage to a bridge time. <laughs> So meanwhile, Astra and Patty have doubled up on their training. You both selected the same two commanders. I'll have you roll first for your leadership and influence training. Okay, I have rolled a 20. And I'm going to roll bluff, but pretend like I'm rolling. Uh, Oratory. Oof, not a great roll. I rolled a 12. Not ideal. The commander here is Bantaro Valentine, who is this effete elven aristocrat. He manages his training with this lackadaisical banter and he always has this knowing smirk on his face patty you recognize bintaro as a world-renowned pianist and the court musician for berwin's royal family and you know he's often brought along by them on diplomatic engagements and as such there are a lot of bardic cadets here with you who are dying to learn from him after news has spread around the fort about the competition bintaro spends a whole day offering his own opinions I don't care what Taft Warsaw would have you believe. There's no way you're getting out of Arrow Peak Dungeon without a map. Sure, they'll tell you it's a, a rule, and they'll go through your belongings beforehand, but everyone knows that the real challenge of the competition is who can hide a map the best. If you can pull one over on whatever guild flunky they have doing spot checks, you've basically already won. Interesting. It's all about lateral thinking. <laughs> Bantaro, I like your style. <laughs> In your training with Bantaro is Pearl Pervilar, the very intense girl, Patty, who is a big fan of your work. To one of the trainings, she brings in a really worn copy of Astrology Today, like this cheap gossip rag, and she <laughs> opens it up to show you just weird articles about you, like, oh, Patty Hearst, uh, werewolf, you know, <laughs> things like that. It's all like just some bizarre take on, on what's happened. And she's like, is this true? Is this true? Like every day, it's a different article about you. Astra surreptitiously reads all of them <laughs> and thinks some of them are probably true. Because it's written down. Yeah, it's published. Astra is not a wise person, but she's good at lying. <laughs> so Astra, as you watch Pearl pour over her copy of Astrology today, you think back to spring earlier this year. On the advice of one of the vendors in your hometown's bazaar, you made enough money selling copies of your book, Train Your Brain Gremlins, to purchase a train ticket to New Haven Harbor. Your contact in the bazaar had told you about a shop there that's called Skeptics Haven, which proudly champions offbeat and alternative ideas. Established an equal distance from each of the Triad Nations, New Haven has made a name for itself as a global trading post of sorts, with merchants coming and going from all corners of the world. It's also about five times the size of Fainalin, so <laughs> it could be the perfect place to expand your readership. Jenna, how does Astra usually go about pitching her book to, to the vendors in the bazaar? Well, the first thing she does is she goes in like an interested customer, very polite, very respectful. She looks around and then she's like, uh, you know what, gosh, I'm so sorry to ask this, but do you have any, you know, books that'll like help you get smarter 
or like braver. <laughs> do you have any books like that? And when inevitably they don't because such a thing does not exist. <laughs> she's like, wow, what a coincidence. This is so lucky, I think, for both of us because I have some of those books that I can sell you to put on your shelves. So she'll do that to basically any stand, even stands that don't seem like they have a lot of books. If they have pamphlets, she'll try it there. If they have magical stuff, uh, any like homeopathic stuff, she'll be like, boy, do I have the homeopathic solution for you. It's called reading. (laughs) Astrid, when you arrive in New Haven, you find Skeptic's Haven sort of tucked away on the harbor's ground level. It's a small space, but every inch of it holds some oddity or another. In a world where magic exists and, like, gods are undeniably real, like, the conspiracy (laughs) theorists of the world, they really have to go to, like, that extra mile to come up with something that the general population, like, will just not readily accept or, or, like, shrug off. In this shop, you see that there's, like, several glass cases that are filled with space rocks that are, like, promising to, like, (laughs) tap into, like, god powers. And then there's, like, a floor-to-ceiling bookcase of magical tomes, all dubious origins, and then, like... Like all the collected volumes of astrology today, front and center. Excellent. Uh, do I see a proprietor around? Make a perception check. Ooh, dice rolling in D and D game. How exciting! <laughs> um, do I have any perception? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Well, I rolled poorly on top of my lack of perception, so that is going to be a four. <laughs> <laughs> Astra, looking around this shop, you don't see anybody who works here. But in the very (laughs) far back of the store, poorly lit, you see what looks like these two white, almost like legs coming towards you. They're not attached to anything. They're just sort of like glowing, ghostly. (laughs) Um, uh, Astra's first instinct is that this is some sort of fey bullshit. Oh, boy. Uh, knock me off my feet, why don't you? <laughs> Is there anybody here? Oh, my God. Are they coming towards her? Uh, no, they're just kind of, like, hovering in place in the back of the store. Oh, God, that's worse, Justin. Estrel has seen some stuff, but she's never seen this. So I think if they're not coming towards her, she's going to cautiously approach and reach out and touch them to see if they are actually ghost legs or if they are just ghostly as an adjective as you slowly make your way closer and closer your hand outstretched you find that they're just a pair of white pants that are dangling back there (laughs) 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 they're they're a little damp like they're being there's a fan pointing at them to dry them so they're like kind of blowing a little bit uh once you're close there you see the proprietor of the shop uh, a spacey little gnome hippie uh who was back in a corner that you couldn't see from the front he goes what brings you in today astro goes wow these uh pants really kept me on my toes if you know what i mean (laughs) anyway (laughs) wait is the proprietor in his underwear (laughs) yeah no he's not wearing pants (laughs) Okay, I'm feeling personally attacked because these are clearly a reference to the Fresno Nightcrawlers, my favorite cryptids of all times. And now I am going to be finding any way I can to work those into the uh, canon of the story. Anyway, uh, Astral will talk right over this dude. I couldn't but help but notice that you didn't really have any books on your shelves that are like, you know, self-improvement books. I see you got a lot of crystals, but boy, do I have uh, the kind of book that you need on your shelves, buckaroo. She pulls out like three different copies of Train Your Brain Gremlins. And she says, here's the situation. These books, they're puzzle books, and they're going to make you real smart. If you read through them and you do all the puzzles, you're going to end up being smarter and braver and more conscientious and more attractive at the end. You'll be more attractive because you'll be more intelligent, of course. This has nothing to do with your physical appearance. But I've read these books, and I'm very smart. In fact, I'm so smart, I wrote these books. So what do you think about that? (laughs) I'll give them to you for a real life bulk rate and you can put them on your shelves and sell them as you will <laughs> Jenna I'll let you decide are you using diplomacy or are you performing <laughs> clearly performing 100% of performance I have performance oratory <laughs> if that's not that I don't know what is okay I rolled a 17 and with my plus 8 oratory um, that Amazing. is a 25 <laughs> This little gnome is enraptured. You can tell he's just a guy that loves to hear a good story. You you don't have a shop like this if you don't love just listening to weird shit. Uh, And he's super into it. Oh, gremlins. I I love gremlins. You know, in New Haven, we really believe in, in promoting new ideas. 
I think that this shop would be the perfect place for your book. I'll purchase a tin to sell in the store. I think that sounds like an excellent rate. I'll add you to my vendors list, and the next time in town, I'll bring some back for you, and we can sell you some more, maybe. Excellent. I I look forward to doing business with you in the future. Oh, she'll hand over tin books, take her cut, and and wish him a merry, merry rest of her day. Caitlin and Jenna, do you want to make a roll for your final training session? I got an 18 on a history check. And I have a nine on disabled device. The final commander is Sura Silrona. She is a rogue of sorts, a lawful rogue. Mm -hmm. She works under the Royal Berwyn Army, but she handles infiltration and spycraft and is training you guys in the same. The squad that she handpicked are all reformed criminals or perhaps one or two special cases that she is hoping to reform. My people. Astra, thinking about New Haven and your business endeavors leaves you energized and extra diligent. And you are really impressing Solrona with your knowledge of rare artifacts and their locations and histories, how easy it might be to theoretically steal them. Yep. Patty, you find there's a lot of overlap between people who are interested in training with Commander Solrona and the people who want to train with Commander Valentine. And even though Pearl isn't one of them, the excitement of how much of a badass you are is kind of carried over without her. Uh, (laughs) There's a group of cadets surrounding you that all want to hear more stories about your past, and it's hard to focus on your training. I used my machete to hack the mud away, (laughs) and then we were on our way. And let me tell you, we made quite an impression when we got there. Wow, that's so cool, Patty. Why dig when you can hack with a machete? Astra, as you are training... Glorahan approaches you. She tells you, you know, there's a girl in my squad, Kata, and she's really good at divination magic. And we're pretty confident that we are going to win the AOP competition. I was just wondering if you uh, you wanted to put a little money on it. Her divination against your divination? <laughs> yeah. What, the star said you guys are going to win, so you think you're going to win? Fortune off. I love it. Yeah. All right. Let me do some magic to see if I think we're going to win or not. And she pulls out a coin from her pocket and she flips it. And let me, uh, I have a coin right here that I'm going to flip. Heads or tails, gang? Heads. Tails. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Caitlin, heads or tails? Tails, because I have a tail. Tails, of course, because you're a rat person. I have a cute tail. All right, I got tails. Yeah, all right, I'll bet you. I'll bet you we'll win. What uh, what do you want to put on the line? If you guys win... We're a squad of mages, and we will make you whatever magical item that you want. Ooh. Gosh, what do we have to put up? We're, I mean, we're all super skilled and smart and talented, <laughs> but uh, if we win, our battle chef will make you a beautiful three-course meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're on. That sounds great. Great. I'm certain Zelf will be okay with that. Both of you, Astra and Patty, make a sense motive check. Ooh, a thing I'm bad at, you say. (laughs) I got a 16 on my sense motive. And I got a 21. Beautiful. Patty, one of the cadets who has taken an interest in you is a human boy named Harville Glass Cannon. He's got kind of an emo scene kid style, long dark hair that he lets hang dramatically in his face, black painted nails. Even though he's wearing white cleric robes, you can see underneath that he's hiding all black. He is known in Erosia for a very bizarre reason. Uh, and I'll actually have you make a knowledge local role for this rumor. So I made a knowledge local and got a 15 on that. Patty, you are familiar with a rumor about Aridus, the famous Erosian archmage during the Great War. He had predicted that he would be reincarnated exactly 50 years after his death. And this boy Harvel was born on that exact day. Interesting. So a lot of older people especially believe that he is the reincarnation of this great mage, and it's gotten him a lot of attention that he's not quite comfortable with. Very juicy. That would be a good prank to pull. That (laughs) is a prank that you could pull in this realm, too. (laughs) (laughs) Declare that some kid's going to be your reincarnation. Uh. Pretty good. You also have heard rumors, Patty, that he was whisked out of Erosia earlier this week because the king of Erosia, King Aimway, was specifically looking to bring him to the castle because he believes this prophecy that he's this mage, but that he escaped. And now he's here. Interesting. 
you notice that Glorhan and Harville are getting pretty chummy together. There's just like little touches that you catch between them when they mm-hmm. think nobody's watching. Uh, there's definitely something mm-hmm. going on there between them. I sense gossip. I never let a good story <laughs> sit unexplored. I want to know what's going on. I wonder if I could eavesdrop on them. Can Patty be <laughs> sneaky? She's very small. <laughs> that seems like a stereotype. <sighs> Patty can do anything she sets her mind to. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. I'd like to try to overhear one of their conversations. Great. Make a stealth check, Caitlin. I have rolled a 27. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Juicy. <laughs> That's a natural 20. Damn. I'm sneaky. I love that she acts like, you know, she's going to be not competent at some of the stuff. And that there are some things that she's ultra competent at. The real commando chops come out. One of these days after training, Patty, you secretly follow Glorhan and Harville to one of the further edges of the fort and you listen to a conversation that they're having and indeed you overhear that they are secretly dating. Cute. You also overhear that Harville is extremely unhappy. He is an arcane magic user, a wizard, but he's been forced into this squad of paladins to try to hide him from the erosions, essentially. Hmm. So he can't actually improve on his skills, and he's not in any way a good cleric. And he just feels stifled, like he was taken away from his home and hidden, and he's just very unhappy. He feels like Glorhan's really the only person who understands him. Um, And she's kind of helping him practice arcane magic just one-on-one when they're not making out with each other, which you also unfortunately (laughs) see a lot of. Comes with the territory, I guess. <laughs> so that makes me feel really sad for him. I mean, as the leaders of our glorious revolution said, you're never truly free until others are free. And it upsets me how he feels so trapped in his current position. I might talk with him about it at some point, but for now, I'm just going to ponder it and keep my eyes open. Wonderful. Patty, as you sneak away from Glorahan and Harville, You think about how many years have passed since you were running stealth missions like this on the regular. Your old crew, the Rescuers and Imperialism Defense, (laughs) better known as RAID, you're a group of freedom fighters, and it was that fight for freedom that led you deep into New Haven's vast underground black market one fall (laughs) evening three years ago. You were entrusted with acquiring explosives from a regular supplier by RAID's leader, Chet Gerbilla. Caitlin, do you want to describe (laughs) Chet a bit? Oh, Chet. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 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 So sorry. (laughs) We must pause. (laughs) What was the name? (laughs) His name is Chet Gerbilla. (laughs) How do you spell that second name? (laughs) It's like you spell Guevara, but you take out Guevara and you put in gerbil. I hope you have a very strong mental image of what he looks like. You know, it snapped into place so quickly, Caitlin. Thank you. Amazing choice. Gosh, reminiscing about Chet. What lady rodent wouldn't love a man rodent like that? His bristling whiskers. His tiny, tiny little hands, his <laughs> curling tail. What a charmer he was. Citing community, no one in Raid is ever allowed to go anywhere without another member of the group with them at all times. So as such, Patty, you're traveling with Raid's resident lockpick, Himmerfer Twistroot. Uh, Himmerfer is a young rat folk like yourself. You've become quite aware that Chet has her wrapped around his finger, like she'll do anything for him. As you guys enter the black market and you're passing the scum of New Haven, just like some real creepy looking gnomes. (laughs) Himmerfer, she taps you on the shoulder and says, I'm Patty. I know we're supposed to stick together, but do you think... Well, you pick up the bombs, I could drop into the Thieves' Guild. I wanted to surprise Chet with a new dagger after his other got damaged in that explosion in Manderhall. Oh, Himmifer, what are we going to do with you? And, you know, Patty's thinking to herself, Himmifer's a smart girl slash rat normally. But when it comes to Chet, I mean, she does not have a rat head on her rat shoulders. Uh She does not. As they say. I've said it. Clearly, I can handle myself picking up the explosives. No problem. But I don't know if I trust Himifer not to get into trouble out on her own here. 
<laughs> Hammerfur, I think it's really a better idea if we just stick together. I know what you're trying to do here. I get that you want to impress Chet. I mean, who wouldn't? I did at one point, even though I'm way beyond that now. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. You do you, girl. But, you know, I think it's really better if we stick together. It's pretty seedy around here. Hmm. Hammerfur, she looks disappointed, but she nods. She agrees. Eventually, you guys make it to your destination. Raid's bomb guy, he's a tiefling, like a half-demon guy who's named Bruler. He's an alchemist, but he only refers to himself as an anarchimist. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, you've worked with Bruler multiple times in the past, and you know that he's madly in love with you, but who isn't? True story. <laughs> he's kind of cute, but he's not a member of Raid. He'll help out, but ultimately he thinks he's above it. He's too much of a lone wolf for that, but he's super into you. And when you arrive, he says, Patty, I was hoping it'd be you picking up the raid supply. I got you a little something. And you see that on top of the creative explosives, there's like this exquisite brand new pink beret. It's just your size. Oh, my goodness. You are just the sweetest thing. How could you know that that would be just my size and my favorite color as well? Not only do you have the best bombs, you have the best fashion sense, too. He, like, grins. He, he's so happy to have pleased you. Aww. Patty, why don't you make a perception check just being here in Bruler's space? It's a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I have rolled a 20. Oh, <gasps> goodness. Killing it. Patty, the first thing that you notice is that Himifer is, like, slowly seeing how far away that she can get from you without you noticing. <laughs> Wandering <laughs> in closer to the door, like, pretending like she's looking at something, but she's, like, just trying to leave. God, she's like your toddler. <laughs> the next thing that you notice is that the beret that Bruler got you, it says it's an Ariadne White Original, just like a, a super fancy brand from the capital, but... You can tell that it's a knockoff that he got from a stand, like uh, like that you pass in the black market on the way there. Uh, so it's a fake. After you pick up the beret and you look down at the bombs that were under it, you have craft traps, right? Uh, yes, I do. Specifically, booby traps. <laughs> you notice immediately that the chemicals that Chet had picked out to make these bombs and had ordered from Bruler, they are not going to have a, a very strong effect where you're going. So you're planning to place these bombs in Bimgrim. It's kind of a, a desert town. It's got like hot springs, like the oppressive, like damp heat of that city is going to make these bombs super weak. And Bruler knows it too, and he can tell that you know. And he says, this is why I always say you should be the one in charge, not that rodent, Jerbilla. <laughs> Look, for you, Patty, I'll switch them out for something better. No extra charge. He probably won't even be able to tell the difference. What do you say? You know, Bruler, I always appreciate how you hook it up for us and everyone in Raid. We can always depend on you. Why don't you go ahead and swap these out for something that'll get the job done? He takes the crate to the back and he starts messing around, mixing some chemicals. And while he does that, he says, stick around for a while. Let's get a few ales up on the surface. <laughs> oh, man, I would love to. You know that I love to hang out with you, Bruler. But I got freaking Himifer over here wandering around. Can't keep her. Himifer. Himifer. Don't touch that. I really got to get her back. He goes, I understand. <laughs> Look, Patty, just remember the life that you're fighting for. It already exists here in New Haven. There's no corrupt politicians or class warfare. Just let the rest of the world tear themselves apart. You just got to take care of yourself sometimes. Oh, Bruler, that's that's so sweet of you to say. I know that y'all always have a friend in, uh, I guess a friend in you, but, you know, I, I serve a higher purpose. I'm here for the people, not just myself. Hopefully someday you'll understand. That's why I love you, Patty. <laughs> No, who doesn't? <laughs> Eventually, your week of training comes to an end, and you find yourselves on the eve of the Arrow Peak competition. Everyone is returning to the barracks for the night to rest or prepare. What would you guys like to do? Did Flask Forge ever show up? Good call. Johnny, yeah. So you have been looking forward to meeting Baba Flask Forge. You do know that he has returned to Shadow and he has come back. There's an observatory building with a large telescope that's been installed into the fort. Uh, and that's where he spends most of his time. None of you guys opted to train with him specifically, so you don't run into him. He also doesn't look for you. Huh. But if you wanted to, you know where he is. 
Yeah. One night, I'll let the squad know, hey, I think I'm going to go to Flask Forge's observatory. It's probably like a good time to go see him. I don't know. It's just like, I think it's kind of strange that the dude who brought us here hasn't seen us at all. All these other squads, like I was talking with Taft Warsaw, like he's got this connection with his squad and like, I think it's pretty cool. Kind of wish we had that with Flask Forge, I guess. Strong pass from <laughs> me. Not interested. What? Why not? I don't know. You know, he chose us. Because of the stars or something, the stars told him to, and or we are stars. That's enough for me. Isn't that enough for you? I guess it's not, huh? No, it's not. I think that's obvious. Yeah, because <laughs> you're pouting about it. That's fine. No, you know, I'm just not all that interested. He'll talk to us if he wants to talk to us. Well, what about you, Patty? You want to come with me? Uh, so, Johnny, I mean, I think it's a great idea, and I really appreciate <laughs> oh, on, your, your desire to, really? to improve, you know. You could just say no, it's okay. I mean, I, I just, I have some other stuff that I really want to work on today. I get it. I totally support you, though. Thanks. Zelf, you're out, right? Zelf, he does some mental calculus, and he says... Nah, I'll come. We'd better see who's got our back. Cool. Thanks, Self. Let's go. I will be fully perceptive, so if there are any ways that I can make mental notes about the state or the condition or the arrangement of the property. For sure. Why don't you both go ahead and make a perception check now? All right. Yeah. 13. God, I'm rolling bad. You know, I'm going to buff this up with some inspiration. I got a 9. I got a 14. Johnny, as you prepare yourself to come face-to-face with Bavel... You think back to one summer day almost 60 years ago, a memory that's especially poignant for you because it's one of the first that you made following your recovery in Bimgrim after the war. <laughs> the injuries that you sustained in the Battle of the Godson, it left your life prior pretty foggy, but it could have been much worse if your body hadn't been recovered by the group of Gavilan missionaries called the Sirocco. Andrew, do you want to take this moment to describe Orem? Orem is a tall, surprisingly pale and hairless person, and also androgynous, that is a Brightsel uh, missionary that ended up recovering Johnny at that battle, and tends to wear like this sort of nondescript, kind of tattered gray traveler's cloak that's well-worn. The only sort of like adornment that Orem has is this sort of golden sun medallion that represents Gavlin. During the Great War, all the gnomes of Irisol disappeared to their home continent of Haven, which has never been seen before or after by any non-gnome. Many believe that it didn't even exist prior to their mass exodus, but once peace returned to the Triad Nations, the gnomes also began returning, and they began building their own city on uninhabited islands, a neutral zone that would eventually become New Haven Harbor. Johnny, as the small boat that Orem captains arrives at the shores, you see a much more modest version of New Haven Harbor than we've seen in the previous flashbacks. There's just a few buildings that would eventually become the foundations for the massive like skyscrapers that exist now. Mm. Orem has offered up the Sirocco as extra hands in the construction project of the city. Mm. Uh, and Johnny, you can immediately see that these gnomes are overworked. It takes, like, a large group of them to even move a stack of bricks that probably weighs less than your armor. But they're not giving up. It's a huge group, and they are making some progress, but you know that you can help out a lot. Johnny will, like, immediately drop his bag and steady like a load that's shifting, and then will be like, Don't worry, I'm here! <laughs> As he, like, lifts it to help so that the fervor that you have to build and grow can go unmatched. A montage will ensue where he's working with the other gnomes and like how to work smarter with using their like sort of smaller stature to their advantage and also so they can use Johnny and the Sirocco's brawn because we're all kind of like strong survivalist types so that we can build up this bright shining future. Awesome. Johnny, why don't you make a constitution check? All right. Yeah, okay, I rolled a 9 
for a total of 12. You work 12 days, pretty much nonstop, getting just enough sleep to, to wake up the next day and start again. You make insane amounts of progress. And at the end of those almost two weeks, you find yourself putting the final touches on a seaside church of Gavilan that you've pretty much built from scratch yourself. And you are hanging the, the symbol of Gavilan, a large sun, on the wall as kind of the final touch. Mm. Gnomes are all around just like cheering for you. Cool. Now, how do we get it so that it'll be shining with the rays of the rising sun, it should be facing what direction again? <laughs> <laughs> so as like the, the celebration continues, you see that Orem has arrived. And with them, they have a tiny wizened old gnome who's sort of hunched over. When he walks in with Orem, you can see all the other gnomes sort of turn and, and bow to him with respect. The old gnome himself, he's not like particularly regal in any way. He's just kind of a chill old man who's happy to be here. But they, they greet you and Orm says to you, I, I want you to meet Gamwir, Johnny, who's part of the city's democratic council. Gamwir. Oh, it's nice to meet you. I'm Johnny. Gamware kind of squints at you and goes, Ah, we've met before, son. Uh, we met at the Battle of the Godson. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, Gamware. I like and kind of like rubs his head a little bit and like the scar like just beyond his hairline. He's like, I don't really remember that much from back then. What do you remember? <laughs> says, well, you may not remember, but you were the primary reason that I made it out alive. All this being built around Aww. us right now might not have happened if it weren't for you. Huh. It was crazy there. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember it being crazy. Everyone says it was. There are all sorts of god weapons and stuff. Yeah, there was god weapons. There was that three-headed dragon. Yeah. It was messed up. It's clearly starting to bother Johnny a little bit as Gamware starts talking about it a little bit more. Seems to like kind of get like a little anxious, but he's still trying to like pay attention and uh, shake it off. Gamware looks at you uh, and you can kind of tell that he understands what you're going through completely. And he, he sort of takes a step back and says, regardless of what brought you to Vigazin in the first place, uh, what we have now is peace. The war can be in the past. I hope you're right, Gamware. Just have to make sure that this light gets to everyone in time before the peace can really come. Sorry. I gotta go. Uh, and he'll kind of like step away a little bit and start moving heavy things. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Johnny, before you go, uh, what do you want to name this church? Name the church? What do, you, what do I want to name the church? Yeah, you you built it. <sighs> Radical, bodacious church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Is there a cool gnomish word for like sunstone? Something like that? Ah, yes, uh, the gnomish word for sunstone is bodacious. <laughs> wow, bodacious. We'll call it church bodacious. All of the gnomes, like, break out, cheering and clapping. Bonation! Oh, no. <laughs> this definitely brightens Johnny's mood. Johnny, from your memory of Orem staring down at you, smiling proudly, we return to the present, where, in the observatory, you find yourself standing over Bavel Flask Forge, fully drunk, empty bottles of ale littered at his feet, just hanging over his desk, half-coherent. You see just a mess of papers in front of him on the desk. No organization whatsoever. It's just a wreck. There's like clothes and stuff. He's like living in this room. The teacher life is rough. Yeah. <laughs> he's passed out. Yeah, he's, he's asleep. He'll tidy something up. If there's like a teacup or something like that. Aw. So do you want to make some tea? I have a magical formula called polypurpose panacea. And one of the abilities from it is sobriety. <laughs> Uh, you become completely sober for one hour, negating any penalties to your actions for being drunk. Great. Itself opens up his haversack and he pulls out some of his emergency prepped ingredients for his spells and says, I think I've got some tea for him. And he'll whip up just this nauseating concoction that's like hot and spicy and bitter. It's his own hangover remedy. Wonderful. And he'll he'll put it under Johnny's nose and say, but you've got to feed it to him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. 
he'll take the vial and say just like this and he'll like sort of mime the motion that Zelf was doing. Right, and hold his nose when you do it. <laughs> right. Maybe pet his throat. I don't know about dwarves. And Johnny knows having done a fair number of long-term care services, sometimes when you're pouring liquids, it's just better to go fast rather than to go steady. He just full sends it <laughs> down the hatch. Bubbles' eyes flash open. You can see he's shocked. Instantly, he teleports, and you're left holding nothing. He's on the opposite side of the room. He grabs oh. an empty bottle of beer, smashes it, and then he's teleported behind you <laughs> with the broken bottle threatening. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> he's like, who are you? What are you doing here? Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Hey. Whoa. Hey. Hey. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> Whoa. Hey. Excellent de-escalation <laughs> technique. <laughs> Flaskforge, Flaskforge, it's me. I'm Johnny Brightchild. You sent for me. Johnny Brightchild. You can see he's really trying to remember that. He slowly sets down the broken glass. We did <laughs> give you a drug. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Self says, oh, come on. Drugs are like people. Some of them are bad and some of them are great. <laughs> Which one was that one, Self? It was a, a sobriety drug, the worst drug of all. <laughs> the anti-drug drug. Uh. He immediately sits back down at his desk and opens another bottle of beer. <laughs> so, you know, we got this dungeon challenge coming up. The four of us, your squad. I was wondering if you had any advice or insight you wanted to offer us. Or, you know, maybe like an explanation as to why we're here. Yeah. That's right. Flaskforge, tell us why we're your favorites. Having this conversation is taking a lot out of him. <laughs> this conversation needs to happen right now. The reason why I chose you guys, uh, yes, uh, what was what was your name? Johnny Brightchild? No, not you. <laughs> <laughs> Zelf. Zelf, right, right. Uh, and the other two, uh, Akko. Uh, Astra. And, uh, Astra and... Jade. Is that... Patty? Patty, mm. They said something about stars. Stars. Something about us being all astronomers. Uh, yes, you're all astronomers. That's why I chose you. I'm I'm an astronomer. We're not. That's not true. Can I tell if this guy is sincerely not remembering well or is he messing with us? Yeah, make a sense motive check. Oh, good call. Good call. I got a seven. Nice, Paul. I got a 16. Zelf, you feel pretty confident that this man has no idea who you are. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel strangely sympathetic toward this old lush. Do you mind? And he'll pick up one of the bottles of beer. Good on you. How bad is it? Not a lot gets him drunk anymore, so he he's going all out for, like, elven absinthe. Whoa, my God. Bubble racks his brain. What advice do I have to give you for Arrow Peak? There's a tavern there called the Broken Arrow that you should definitely check out. That's where I'll be. But how does that help us with the dungeon? Oh, yeah, the dungeon? I, I mean, just don't die, you know? That's the best advice I can give you. <laughs> No, no, it's not enough just to not die. I want to be the best. Yeah, yeah, internal voice, absolutely. <laughs> he looks you up and down and he says, Johnny, none of this matters. None of it matters. That's none not true. It all matters. <laughs> if you win the AOP competition, you lose the AOP competition. Uh, next year, there's going to be another AOP competition. But don't I get a prize if I win? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter then why'd you send us here you know i had a whole life over in begram and i got your letter it seemed important and now you're telling me this whole competition doesn't matter so is there some reason i'm here that matters it matters because of random chance uh, entropy what? yeah anybody could be here but it's you <laughs> so in that way it matters but in other ways it doesn't at all self help me out here his elf is going to lean forward. He's going to think about what is the best way that he can make a good impression. And he'll say, what's got you drinking, old man? Your wife leave you? Your kids? <laughs> Ooh. Let me be prescriptive. That'll <laughs> help. <laughs> when you say that, Bobble's mood changes significantly for the worse. Shit. <laughs> good job, Zell. He jumps straight to the worst thing yeah. he possibly can at any given moment. In most cases, dwarfs like this are upset because they've lost their wife and children. Did that happen to you? <laughs> he thought he was being conversational but funny. My wife is fine. I have two beautiful kids, a third one on the way. They're in Nontrum. Congratulations. Very happy. Would you say that they matter? He is going to stab us with a beer bottle. Ah. <sighs> 
God, I wish we had just left him asleep, <laughs> Zelf. This sucks. Zelf is going to say to Bavel, well, since we're the ones that you called in, do you mind if we come back and visit you? I'll be here. Uh, he doesn't care. Let's go. I hate stuff like that, Zelf. I hate it. I hate it when people <laughs> in places of responsibility just shirk it like they can. Like they they don't affect the people around them. I just can't stand it. Hey, man, you never know who's got a secret life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm an open book, man. We can talk about this later, but uh, <laughs> Zelf wants to look at the notes and documents to see if there's anything that jumps out at him. Great. Zelf, on his desk, you see the writings of an absolute madman. You see that there is a journal that is filled with, like, you know when you see, like, movies where people have just written all over the walls, like, theorems and things like that? It's just (laughs) all over the page in every direction. Terrible handwriting, just drawings of the planets. None of it really makes sense to you from just a cursory glance. Sure. Yeah, I have no context for astronomy, but uh, I want to try to commit any surface details to memory. Great. All right, Zelf will take his absinthe and he'll leave with Johnny. Thank you for listening to Burnt Cookbook Party. This is a brand new podcast, and we're still searching for our audience. So if you enjoyed this, if you left even a single time, would you do me a favor and post about it online or maybe text a friend? Or if you're going to maybe be traveling soon by car, maybe you load it up on the old podcast app and uh, make everybody else who's in the car listen to it so they can enjoy it too, maybe. That would be cool of you. Burnt Cookbook Party is Andrew Hansen as Johnny Brightchild. Caitlin Stadahar as Patty Hertz, Paul Lukemeyer as Zelf the Elf, me, Jenna Steber, as Astroblep, and Justin Green as DM and World Builder, executive produced by Jenna Steber, and this episode was edited by Justin Green. You can find us on Twitter at BCB Party. That would be a cool place for you to retweet us. Thank you.